Well, look at that. We got the counters working. We got the audible. volume mic. Look, look at that. There. Look at that. It's going crazy. My line is just sky high. Look. <laughs> there you go. You got you got a radio voice. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> it really comes through. Uh, maybe I should have gave you the sensitive mic. Maybe. <laughs> I was born with a built-in megaphone and microphone, <laughs> by God's grace. Look at there. Look at there. All right. Well, so this is Jim Sevier, and uh, well, now this is this is Talking Over Food. This is the podcast edition of Talking Over Food. Unfortunately, I didn't bring any food. That's all right. I just came from a little mini brunch. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I feel bad. Cause Don't I feel I, bad. Well, I, we were just talking before the, the recording started, and I was talking about how I did some. I did make something, was going to present it, and then I – and maybe this is also something that we talk about when we're talking about you and yours. Right. Is, you know – putting out something that you don't feel like you're 100% behind, right? right? Whether that's thoughts, ideas, whether that's business, whatever. Uh, I think that that is definitely, and I, that's something that I just did, which is last night made the decision to just go, no, it's good enough for my wife and I and my family. That's great. But I don't want to produce that. I don't want that to be the impression that people have of me. As I want it to be like extraordinarily more. Right. right? So I only view this as a way that you have to have me back over for food. <laughs> Since, See, there since this has been lacking. All so right, it, it's just go. another oh time for God. us to get together is That's how really I good. view it. Actually, I was just uh, two or three others that have been already on this podcast have come back to me and said, you know what? We should do a roundtable. Love that idea. Um, and I've got we I've got a space here behind you where we can where I can get the a center mic where we can all just talk without having mics directly in front of us. Yeah. And it's omnidirectional, so it should be able to pick up everybody's voice. Um, so that's maybe something we might do is uh, pick a topic and then bring in a roundtable and then have some of the folks that have been in here talking about business, having them give me updates and what they're doing, but basically talk about some some topic. I think it's a great idea. I'm so in. Let me know. You're you're on the list. I'm on the list. Is it the sh- am I on the short list or that long list? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now you're in the top five. There you go. There's five. See, <laughs> there you go. Top five. I'll take that any day. All of the right. Week. All right. So hopefully, um, so again, this is Jim Sevier, and I'm with the Coachable. This is talking over food, and today I am with Jonathan Parker from All Good Things, and Jonathan was here before, and we we had a recording, and I have to say I didn't for some reason some the my end of the recording was really bad. But we're back. Um, we're going to get this done today, and we're going to have a little bit of fun. It's going to be a blast. It's a beautiful um, day again. We we actually didn't have any trouble talking for the time that we needed last time. I don't expect that to be the same problem today. We took full control of all of the time <laughs> allotted and then took some abuse of extra time. Uh, you know what? Hey, if it happens, it happens. So um, we're on the back deck here in Greer. Um, I got a little construction noise in the background. I'm not really worried about it. Uh, actually... I haven't heard a lot of background noise off of these mics, so well, it's a beautiful I'm good backyard. With it. So, um, except for my phone, maybe I should have done that. Just and, lets and you know you're important. Hey, Jim. Oh, uh, th- I do actually. There's, I I do actually want to talk about this for just a second before we get in. This is kind of like a squirrel thing, but um, I'm about to write an article in LinkedIn. Okay. Um, about the amount of times things yell at us in a day. Oh yeah. Like, my sensor's on my truck. You're going to back up. You're going to... And I'm like, okay, I'm still five and a half feet away. 
I know what you're doing, and you're keeping me safe, and you're keeping things that are between me and the wall safe. My refrigerator beeps at me incessantly. And it doesn't have to be open for like maybe five or ten seconds. I can't change that setting. My phone right. beeps at me. Alexa beeps at me. Everything beep my alarm. If I leave that door open, beeps at me. And now I'm thinking, okay, I love tech. I love tech. You're a tech I, guy. You I'm have to uh, love tech. I love it. Uh, but I gotta tell you, notifications. Hey Jim. Here's a notification. Here's a notification on email. And it's basically everybody's distracting me, right. yelling at me, telling me to do something instead of me being in control of the information I consume when I want to consume it. Exactly. So I'm going to have that discussion one of these days. Maybe yeah. we'll build this into a discussion. Well, can I chase table. that squirrel with you just a little bit? Please do. I think one of the fascinating things about that idea of what's yelling at you, what's beeping at you, is all of those things are telling you concern, danger, concern, danger which actually then dilutes your own innate ability to detect that for yourself. Exactly. So when people are shocked or stunned, like, oh, why didn't you let me know you were Like 20 years ago, we were much more innately attuned yeah. to danger or what's going on. There's a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Rebecca Heiss, who would be a great oh, okay. guest. Please. She's an evolutionary biologist. Okay. So now, Rebecca, if you listen to this and then you do it, she will do much better. So my, <laughs> if you're listening to this, make sure you listen to Rebecca. She talks about this idea of um, show me your belly, that like a dog, you know, yeah. just kind of eases in. Like, are you going to kill me? Right. Take yeah. me out. But once the dog realizes you're safe, what does he do? Rolls, Rolls over, show, like the most vulnerable, vulnerable position for the dog. Yeah. And what all of the beeping noises, alarms cautionary sounds what it's doing is it's always keeping us on heightened alert that we're never vulnerable enough yeah to show to show our bellies so i agree with you part of what i dislike about all the beeping noises is it gets in the way of me being able to be vulnerable and transparent because it's always keeping me on edge yeah i you know what you just we've just solidified the topic for the round table i love it and i'm going to bring in a bunch of different people with a bunch of different perspectives and we're going to have it out because i think this is this is something that so today, I thought it was Thursday. I woke up knowing it was Thursday. And and it wasn't until much later in the morning that I was told that it was Wednesday. Right. I saw that Facebook post, by the way. It made me chuckle. And I was like... So, and again, I guess, I don't know if this is just... I mean... Our devices and our technologies have been getting very um, intelligent. No, they're not intelligent. That's not that's not the right word. They've been getting um, what is the word? They're not intelligent though. They're, that's not intelligence. They're getting more and more advanced. Okay, so so they're increasing in their ability to second guess us better. Yeah, or predict the general outcome. Correct. All right, there you go. Um, but now, I've stopped worrying about days, and I don't know if that has come from tech, if that's come from COVID. I don't know what it is. I have worked from home for 15 years. Maybe it's old age. Maybe I'm just getting old, and I'm just like, I don't really care what day of the week it is, and I'm just that guy. You know, I'm just like, oh, I don't care what day <laughs> it is. But maybe it's, maybe it's also part of this whole tech thing where every day everything tells me it's Wednesday, it's going to rain, it's 72 degrees, it's going to be you know, take a take a jacket with you. This is how long it's gonna take you to drive to your appointment. Everything tells me what it is. Yeah. And now I used to be able to tell 
almost I, – I was definitely within 15 to 20 minutes in a given day without looking at a clock. I could tell what time it was. I yeah. had that – I don't have that ability anymore. That's gone. So Yeah, it's amazing what we thought. Have you seen the book Margin? Have you seen the book Margin? No. Do I L- need to read the book Margin? Yes. Written in the late 1980s, written by Dr. Uh, Swanson, I believe his name is. Okay. Swanson, Swanson. And he wrote a book called Margin. He defines margin as the space between your load and your limits. Uh, and he he attests in the late 1980s that, and he's a medical doctor, that all of the hype for technology to give us more margin will actually go against us. And it will say, fill your margin with more because you can do more in less time. So do more overall. Uh, and he predicts late 80s, early 90s, that our margin will be cut into from technology, not increased. And if you look back on stats, so that's, let's just say 1990, so I can do math quicker, so that's 30 years. Yeah. The average amount someone works is longer. Yeah. They take less vacation, more anxiety, more depression. And now there's some true mental illness of anxiety and depression, yeah. but some of it's stress-related, overly worked. Wow. Uh, and he predicted it before, what well, that would have been, iPhones came out in 2007. Yeah. So se- at least 17 to 20 years before the iPhone, he predicted we'd have less margin. So, and we can, this is definitely squirrel. We're definitely down the wrong track. I do definitely want to get with you. <laughs> but the last point I'm going to make there is something that I've said for a long time. And I've been in tech my entire career. And this concept of multitasking is a, a lie to a large degree when it comes to what it is we do and how our brains just naturally work. We like our brains, like working on something, finishing it, putting it down storing it away, moving on to next, not have 15 things that you're working on simultaneously, which is actually not something that our brains, I think, are even capable of doing. I'd love to hear more from your friend, yeah, the behavioral scientist. Uh, evolutionist. Evolutionary, evolutionary biology. Evolutionary biology. We'll connect uh, at the end of the podcast. I'll oh, let you meet Rebecca. Yeah, this is going to be so good. All right, so so Jonathan, let's, let's get back. Let's get back on track here. Um, talk to me. So, uh, you know, obviously what we do here is we talk about how we get to where we are today so that others can listen to that and have a better understanding not only of what we do and the value and, and, and what it is that we're delivering to the world, but also to kind of help them, give them some breadcrumbs to follow along. Yeah. So um, I met you through uh, Phil Yanoff and the whole group there, and then we sh- you showed up at a networking event with, with Matt, uh, and we, s- we connected, and... Yeah. And it was just like, okay, we definitely have to have this discussion. And I've ov- I had heard already of hymns and hops. Yeah, I had already heard. Of how, however, I did not have not, did not meet you, and I did not know that you were behind it. So yeah. why don't you give us like a coming up to hymns and hops? And I know there's a lot of there's a lot there. A lot of story. Um, but why don't you give us first some breadcrumbs to follow as to what it, what brought you there? Yeah, and. And s- let's see where we go. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, it's perfect. And Jim, again, I haven't said it yet. Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> well, first time was fun. Second time, <laughs> it's always better time. So, and thanks for everyone who's listening. Take some time. You know, how did I get to this gathering called Hymns and Hops and the organization All Good Things? It really goes back all the way to when I was born. Now I'm 36, so I won't take you through 36 years of life, right? We'll just <laughs> hit some we'll hit some pinnacle moments or some valley moments uh, <laughs> as well. And how I got here, and then we'll probably, you know, go in and out. But I was raised in an awesome home. My parents are still some of my best friends. They're rock stars of parents and of people. Uh, I have some siblings as well, and they're great. And I grew up in a very conservative church. 
now looking back on it, I had no idea it was conservative. I had right. no idea it would be considered fundamentalist or I thought everyone was Baptist. And if you weren't Baptist, you were wrong. <laughs> like I just I didn't know, you know, a fish doesn't know it's in water. Right. So I want to start off with like th- everything else I'm about to say is not to throw rocks or ding upbringing or people who I do believe with the best intentions thought they were doing the best they could. Right. But I grew up in a really conservative church and conservative school. A lot of rules, lots of rules, you know, no uh, drinking, cussing or dancing, all of the things I I do now, you know, so, (laughs) you know, it's just this, you know, yeah, right. Don't do any of these things. If you do these things, you know, you're, you're a good Christian. You're on your way. And my parents were really good. They, even though we were like in that atmosphere, right. church-wise, school-wise, we yep. weren't in that atmosphere at home. Okay. And my dad didn't isolate us. My mom didn't isolate us. I played, we called it park and rec. So it would be this, yeah. the idea of like, why soccer? You know, we were out yep. in the community. Uh, I, I started working when I was 14 in a restaurant, which I actually worked for for 10 years, um, all the way up till I was 24. I loved it. It was actually a huge part of my education. Um, and, and they just continue to expose us. But one of the things my mother will say from the very beginning is I would find the edge of whatever <laughs> and, and just like test it. Pick the edge. Pick the edge. And and she she noticed that early on. But like when you're in that much of conservatism, you know, the edge is OK. It just <laughs> leads to another level of conservatism. <laughs> right. So uh, but I would find the edge. and I would push it. And. I heard this phrase later on in life, but it's very true. Like, know all the rules so you know which ones to break. Like, you can't just go in there and start breaking all the rules if you don't know them. Right. You know, it's the same idea of, like, don't remove a fence until you know why it was there. Yeah, well, just this, I, this idea of, you know, so I would learn the rules, and I'd start pushing on certain ones, and that would start aggravating some folks. So I was going through school. Part of my story is I was real sick uh, for most of my life up until about 22, 23. Mm. And and that that's kind of a a, a, a sub layer of everything because it kept me home, it kept me reading, right? Uh, kept me having conversations w- with people older than me who believe differently, thought differently, especially at the restaurant. Which, if you've worked in the restaurant business, yes, I have. It is a. You I should, started. I started young too. Fifteen, yeah. sixteen years old. You should yeah. get a college. You should get a degree if you make it four years in a restaurant. Amen. I really actually. <laughs> Yeah, you should almost get a Nobel. Yeah, it's a certification like I have wow. survived. Yes. Um, and I made a decision to go to a university down here at Greenville, in Greenville, South Carolina called Bob Jones University. Now, if you're yeah. listening to this, you're like, you know, you know about Bob Jones University. Yes. Uh, it's conservative. It would be considered um, like straight laced, you know, just yes. real tight. That was a liberal decision for how I grew up. Whoa. So the first okay. liberal choice I ever made, <laughs> at least in my mind, was to go to Bob Jones. Wow. Like that was pushing the edge. You know, I got to the edge and I pushed it and I went to Bob Jones. And I spent five years at, at Bob Jones. Um, and again, I, I mean, some of the rules were annoying, but it wasn't it – was, it was fine. I knew what I signed up for. And frankly, right. for the school I graduated high school from, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> But again, I started to push those edge. I, I learned the rules so I could figure out which ones just don't make sense. And I started to push some of those. Um, and that kind of got me in some hot water because most people in authority don't like to be questioned. True. Most people in authority who have created rules definitely don't want those rules to be questioned. Very, very true. Because they, most people know rules are subjective. There is moral law, but most people know outside of moral law, everything's subjective. Yep. 
And once you start challenging those subjective rules, well, now there's a problem. <laughs> and that got me all the way to seminary where I was uh, kicked out was too strong. Uh, not invited back is too weak. So just find that middle somewhere, ground somewhere, somewhere in the two. middle. And here's the reason why. they I was pushing too many rules. I was pushing against too many thoughtful, assumed-to-be-correct biblical concepts. And I said, listen, I look at the life and ministry of Jesus, and I'm like, this, no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. You can believe that. Right. But that is not an objective standard in which you hold everyone else accountable to. Right. So, you know, I look back. When my mom tells a story, it, she just she uses the word maverick, right? It was this, <laughs> and then it was this, and then it was this. And all through, so this would have put me at when I got removed from seminary i was 24 right so like my mom didn't have heartburn until like this moment right the rest <laughs> was okay like and then mom and dad started to get heartburn and and so did i because i lost ever i mean i lost all my friends i lost kind of my circle yeah just really within a few months and i end up getting on staff at what i would have called a, a progressive you know moving forward church and it was i was on staff for 10 years but again you find those rules, <laughs> you learn them, and and I just started to push, and I think I've gotten better at pushing. But here's one of the biggest, you know, which gets us to hymns and hops and all good things. What I realized was what I was pushing for was I wanted to move back towards people, not away from people. Right. Where I would say evangelical Christianity, conservative, like just Christianity, they did over the last hundred years, they did a really good job of moving away from people and saying, hey, come to us. And, and be perfect, which right. we'll talk about your mm. galette here, right? Yeah. So come to us, be perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then you're okay. Now you're accepted. Yeah. Well, people lie all the time on Sunday, <laughs> right? Lie all the time. <laughs> and they show up and they're, you know, whatever it is, whether shorts and a T-shirt or a finely pressed suit, right? That's not, that's not who they are. No. How are you doing today? Great. Blessed. Amen. Bro. Like, no. And what I realized was we had moved away. So one of the things I started doing when I was 32 years old, mm -hmm. no, 31 years old, is I started a gathering called Gospel on Tap. I started this gathering okay. called Gospel on Tap. And I did this outside of, the, outside of so my normal job. alcohol and... And, and good news. And good news. Good news, good bruise, right? There I was that pithy. All right? Wow. Good news, good bruise. Uh, and the whole point was guys would come together in a common place. Not right. in a church setting, not right. in a small group setting. Not in a even a mixed gender setting. Yeah. A place where guys could come who were more established in their careers. Right. And just sit and talk about life and the challenges of life and faith or not having faith or doubting faith or what I believe about Jesus, what I don't believe about Jesus. And it was done in a place where judgment uh, and ridicule and criticism was left at the door. And over a couple pints, we just talked about real life and the intersection of life and faith. And this was amazing. No, everything was word of mouth. So we didn't have like marketing at the time. We didn't have social media was around, but we didn't use it. Right. Guys would just share. And I think that it's kind of like Fight Club, right? The first rule of Fight, Fight Club, Club is don't talk, talk about Fight Club, but a bunch of people showed up, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you know you can talk about Fight Club, then, you know, people are good about it. And, you know, guys talked about it and a guy showed up. Yeah. And, you know, for the first three years, we had well over 150 guys come through. Wow. Sit at the table and just talk. Well, I was I was working full time at a church and I started Gospel on Tap kind of on the side, you know, a little side hustle. And it was growing, it was picking up st steam, and I slowly 
but pretty efficiently became known as the beer and Jesus guy in town. <laughs> and there's not a lot of beer and Jesus guys running around Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, a lot of Jesus guys, a lot of beer guys. But when you put them together, you know, you're just kind of that. Uh, you were a party of one. I was a party of one. Uh, and there was just that another line, right? Jonathan, listen, you can love Jesus and you might like beer, but we don't we don't put those two. Those two things don't go together. And I was like, well. I think they do. I mean, I think I can actually make a case that Jesus thinks they do. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of wine produced and drunk. A lot of wine. And so I said, no, I'm going to do it. So then when you become known as the beer and Jesus guy, people start sending you weird stuff. They're like, you should do this, and you should do this, and you should do this. <laughs> and in 2016, one of the, you know, between, really it was like January 2016 to October 2016, I probably got four or five emails like, Jonathan, look at this thing happen around the country called beer and hymns or hops and hymns, um, hymns and beer, just this idea of going to a brewery or going to a bar, singing hymns, which are just old songs that are public domain, yeah, uh, and enjoying that together. However, I disliked all of the ones I saw. And and it's not to ding them. It was just a philosophical thing. Um, I, I didn't like that they were very generational. So it was either millennials drinking lemon drops or, you know, <laughs> My boomer, my boomer friends at 430 with the early bird. And it was like, if this is about unity, why are, why are we still generationalized? Uh, the other thing is there weren't all hymns. Like some groups would sing modern worship, which I have no problem. I go to a big modern worship songs. We sing songs written four days ago. Like it's I'm fine with it. I love it. But I was like, if you're going to call yourself hymns, like do yeah. that. Yeah. A hymn is. There's a there's a definition for him. There's a definition for him. So if you're gonna sing Bon Jovi or Journey, save that for karaoke night. Like we don't need it at the the hymn right, event. Right. So I just kept saying I don't want to do it. I want to do it. I don't want to do it. Well, there was one that took place. I believe it was in Columbia, South Carolina, by a Universalist Unitarian Church. And I have some friends who are Universalist Unitarian. You just said two words that I have no idea when you put them together what that means. Okay, so Universalist uh, would be this concept of everything and nothing. Again, if you're a universalist watching this, I'm sure you're going to have a much better definition. Okay. The way I understand it, universalist is like everything has some form of deity. Okay. And una, one, Unitarian, we also have some form of deity in and of ourselves, not necessarily okay. an outside right. person. Cool. So just, universalist thank uni you. Just yep. Universalist Unitarian would kind of believe everything and myself are all forms of deity okay. and can have some form of belief. Okay. Um, and I have some friends who are UU, and they're okay. great. Uh, but they would— they would shy away from kind of Christian, Orthodox Christian doctrine, or even Jesus right. in a lot of ways. So they did one, a hymn sing, down, I, th I believe it was Columbia. And I remember the minister just said, we don't really believe anything we're singing, but most of our people grew up in Christian church, so this is just kind of a fun karaoke thing. Which is fine for them, but I said out loud at my, my dinner table, God, I'm not starting one of these things. And if you ever tell God what you're not going to do... <laughs> it's usually... Uh, yeah. Three hours later, I had like bought domains, <laughs> opened Facebook pages, and Hymns and Hops was born, but it was born very specifically. I wanted to keep it as true as possible to the name, right? Sing hymns, drink beer. That's what I wanted to do. First two people I asked to help me, like unequivocally, no, not a chance, man. Or you're going to get in trouble. It's never going to work. It's going to cost you your job. It's going to cost me my job. I can't be associated with this. Wow. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I heard God wrong. Like, you know, it was one of those moments. Like, <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea. But the third guy I asked, who's my current band leader in Greenville, he jumped out of his seats. And he's like, oh, I'm all in. And in 2016 at Grateful Brew, 
we met for the first time and I was so nervous and I, I was late because I was coming from my job. I picked up my wife. There was oh, traffic. Yeah. I was yeah. late and I was on the way like, God, please, like if there could be like 30 people there, that would be really great because I knew the band and their spouses would be 10. Right. And I know I invited. I, I was like, I think I can guarantee 20. So like 10 other people. Well, I got there about 30 minutes before we were supposed to start. 70 people packed out Grateful Brew. Wow. And Line, that's, that's a lot of people for Grateful Brew. A lot of people for Grateful Brew. Line uh, wow. pretty much waiting outside the door, waiting to hear, pouring down rain, people holding umbrellas, just trying to get in. And the singing was horrible. Uh, people didn't know what to do. I was nervous. The band was not really practiced. And, but it was amazing. And afterwards, people came up to me and said, hey, will you do another one? Will you do another one? And I was like, I'll do anything twice. Kind of like the podcast, right? I'll do there anything twice. <laughs> uh, Become a habit. We had to make a habit. Know? We did it again in 2017 on a Tuesday night at another little small bar. Had about 100 people. Again, and people were like, can you keep doing it? And we did. And a year later, our year anniversary, we had over 1,000 people in two locations uh, in wow. the Greenville area of South Carolina. And now, as we sit, we have four locations, two states, and connect with over 10,000 people a year through Hymns and Hops gatherings. And I would say that we're continuing to push that line. And about two years ago, the board, uh, a group of friends and I decided to really formalize this. Mm -hmm. And we became All Good Things. All Good Things. Which uh, nice. All Good Things exists to bring the good news, good news about Jesus to common places in unconventional ways. Just pushing that line. And coming on about 20 months, it will be two years in October, I stepped out full time and decided to run this organization full time and have been on my own since then. And those are those are just the kind of the how did we get there? You just keep pushing without being in a rush, without being reckless. You just keep pushing and you never know where you'll end up. So I want to pull a couple of things out that you said. Um, the first thing I want to pull out is one of the things you said last or that you've said consistently throughout this whole entire process. And that is finding the edge. Right. Because yeah. a lot of times I know where the edge of the deck is. I can see it. Right. There's a railing there. Said, so don't go over the deck, right? Uh, and I, if I look down, eh, I could probably make that jump, right? So why is there a fence there? Well, you know what? Somebody could just accidentally fall off of that thing, twist the leg, whatever, right? So there's risk, right? So when you, when you are doing something, most of the time when people come to risk, it's a left or a right hand turn or a slight diversion or whatever to stay away from the risk. So. Rarely have I met an individual like yourself that is seeking that edge, right? Yeah. Um, knowing that it could possibly lead to people not wanting to be around you, could lead to you not being employed, right? In my world, I refer to it as asking for forgiveness rather than permission. Right. Because I don't really want somebody to tell me why I shouldn't do it. I would rather somebody say, all right, that's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> right. Right. If they're in a in an authoritative power over me. Right. But for everybody else, it's just like, oops. Right. I did it. Right? I no one No one asked me to do talking over food. Did it. Right. I talked to a bunch of people about it afterwards. And I had a bunch of people say, eh, mm, kind of cool. Like the idea. You're a great chef, Jim. I'll come over and eat your food. But. We're also going to talk about stuff, right? So 
so and I kind of I'm going the long way around the lake to get to the question. So as a person that seeks the edge, how do you how do you communicate a message when you're on the edge? Yeah. Right? How what is what is it? I mean, hymns and hops, I think has a draw because of the hymns, right? Right. And the hops. And right? the hops. So, so either way, I'm going to get you there because, hey, I want – beer's always good. Bunch of bunch of guys that I already know are going, right? I'm going to go. But there you are on the edge. So what helps others walk up to that edge with you? What is it that – is it that you're saying, you know, the edge – it's okay to be at the edge. Is that the message? Is that what you're bringing mm -hmm. forward with this, or are you saying there is no edge? Right. So that that's does that make sense? Oh yeah, great question. And I want to say this on the front end because people are listening to this and they're thinking about, you know, from the coachable standpoint, they're thinking about making changes, how to get from one Everybody. place to another. Exactly. Everybody. So here's the thing: you never find the edge on a bad day. It, it never happens. You are, if you've had a bad day, don't think you've reached the edge. Because you're you're emotional, you're frustrated, okay. you're discouraged, like right. Never quit on a bad day. Right. You've never arrived at the edge on a bad day. Okay. All right. It it it, it doesn't happen when you are emotionally in decline. Okay. The edge is not found there. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, but I'm I'm just I'm thinking about what you're saying. It's like so. So it's almost optimism. It has to be optimism. So one of the part one like there has to be an edge so that I can see what's on the other side of the edge. Right. So I don't believe I've ever reached the end. So when I was 30 years old, I was in a real difficult spot. I was getting ready to quit my job at the church. Okay. Something happened really painful on a Tuesday. Okay. And I would have quit on a Wednesday. I would have woken up, would have told Jess we're done, which would have been rash. I'm not saying that was the wise decision. I'm but the church was going to pay for me to go on a trip to a Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> for a conference. So I'm going to hold off. I can go five more days. I get through the weekend. I can be in town. You know, and it was for this organization, which is now I'm, I'm very close with the CEO and I believe in what they're doing. Uh, so at the time it felt like escapism, but now, you know, yeah. a couple of powerful things happened. One of the powerful things that happened was I met this guy whose name's Troy Murphy uh, up from Green Bay. We're now friends now. He also likes to take credit for everything because of this story. <laughs> but I was sitting with him across a table right. like this, just no mics, kind of wish there were. Yeah. And my wife and his wife were there. And I spent 45 minutes just complaining about life. I was 30 years old. No one was taking me seriously. No one was listening to me. No one thought I had good ideas. People were overlooking me. So if you're a young leader listening to this, don't. that was a bad use of an hour with a global leader. Wow. right? Yeah. So if you're a global leader, don't spend 45 minutes talking about yourself. <laughs> Not helpful. Ask some questions. Yeah. Take but, uh, that note down, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, pause right here and write down. Yeah. And he did the universal sign for get me the hell out of here, where he grabbed, like, his iPad and held it close to his chest and leaned <laughs> back like, I'm done. And he just cuts me off in one of the middle of my sentences. And he just says to me, how many years are you going to waste waiting for permission to do what you already know you should be doing? That's... That's powerful. It, it was powerful, and it floored me. And my wife, to make sure it got through this this noggin of a head, said, can you say that one more time? <laughs> and he said, Jonathan, how many years are you going to waste waiting for permission to do what you already know you should be doing? And that, that sentence, I'm talking hard right, hard left, whatever you want to say, transformational moment. I woke up the next day saying, I'm not going to wait for permission to do what I already know I should be doing. Yeah. And one of the things I knew I should be doing is looking for the edge of where people felt comfortable 
to go there, lead the way so I could blaze a trail and create a space for them to feel comfortable in an uncomfortable place. There you are. So I don't look for the edge in the sense of I want to find problems with everything. I look for the edge to say where are places, specifically from a Christian standpoint, where the church, the big Christian church, has said, no, we can't go there. Right. And I say, okay, I'm going to go find where that edge is. Optimistically, that when I jump off that edge, there's just another landing. Yeah. I've never jumped off the edge and not landed on landed. Not always on my feet, but I've landed <laughs> face first on my knees on yeah. my like. Yeah. But I've landed and finding that edge can't happen from a pessimistic standpoint because I didn't do any of this through revenge. I wasn't looking for retaliation. This wasn't to say you're wrong. I'm right. This was my, giving myself permission that part of my wiring, calling, and ability is I can go to the edge and with thick skin, not emotionless, but with thick skin, say, no, we can take this ground. I and, like that. And take it and move on. So the edge for me is just uh, an opportunity to jump off to find the next landing because I've yet to find the edge that didn't lead to the next thing. Okay, so again, there is – and there's value in everything that you're saying with with hymns and hops, um, all good things. Everything here is it, it's it's very sequential. It's making a lot of sense, right? But Correct. it also makes sense just in traditional business. It also makes sense in life, right? Um, not just waiting or we kind of get into a blame game when you know I can't go there because you told me I can't go there, so it's your fault, right? So now I've just basically just said it's somebody else's fault i can't go where i want to go and then you end up hating people for that for some reason i mean yeah. been there myself in a lot of different things but i have always been that person as well that uh, as i again as i explained it before i always ask for forgiveness never ask for permission mm -hmm. learn that one um so let's take this let's let's come back from this for a second um and let's talk about where it's going. What yeah. is it doing? I mean, you've obviously got multiple locations, a couple of states. You've got a thousand people. You, you're doing you're doing all the great things, building an amazing, in today's word words, I guess it would be a tribe. Yeah, right? tribe. Um, so talk about talk about what you see as its vision and the direction that you want it to go, and and. You know, maybe maybe if you've got th the next edge that you're that you're working on. Yeah, it's a great great question. With Hims and Hops, we maybe you've heard this story. Uh, I won't go into it long, but when Bobby Flay, I'm sure he still cooks, but when he spent most of his time in the kitchen, right? Before he would ever interview a sous chef or someone to come work in his kitchen, he'd invite him into the interview, and the interview was part of a kitchen. Okay. And he would say, you know, after the greetings, like, hey, before we talk about anything, before you look at your resume, can you go make me an omelet? I just yeah. want an egg omelet. Okay. Have so I'm a chef, and I know this story. Right, right. I know this And story. they're like, oh, uh, you know, do you have steak? Do you have – no, no, no. Just want a, just want an egg omelet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing Bobby Flay tell a story, he's like, really, there's three things that go into an egg omelet. There's eggs, butter, and then maybe if you want to add milk. But outside of that, mm -hmm. that's it. Just make an egg omelet. Kind of bacon. Kind of basic. And his point was, if you can't do something simple well – I don't I don't necessarily care if you can do the complex stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was the way he kind of test ran it. And when I started Hymns and Hops and Gospel on Tap, I wanted to create omelets. I wanted it to look so simple, but realized that it took great discipline to be able to do it. So 
The Bible has this really unique verse. It says that one generation should tell to the other generations the works of Yahweh, God, God the Father. Mm-hmm. And one generation is supposed to tell another generation. Well, if you go back, like before Jesus, you know, so if you go B.C., let's just say 4,000 yeah. B.C., there's no sermons, podcasts, written books, nothing right. about what they were teaching. But what's crazy is not only in Scripture, but just historically, we have songs. Yes. Yeah. Because, what, yeah. because what we know is the best way for a generation to reflect itself, talk about itself, let everyone know what they think, feel, and believe is through song, right? So tell me about the 80s. Well, we go to, the, we go to, we go to 80s music. Mm-hmm. What was the 60s like? Well, you start with the music, and then you go right. to the cultural phenomenons. Like, we talk about music. So I believe that hymns and hops, through all good things, is fulfilling this verse almost more holistically than trying to read books written by people four or 500 years ago because we're capturing in song these hymns the generation of seven, eight hundred years ago, singing them in our generation, and that generation's proclaiming to this generation the works of the Father. So right. hymns and hops is fulfilling what I believe to be this really big part of a scriptural narrative by explaining generations to one another, which is why when you come to a hymns and hops event, you'll see eight-year-olds, eight-months-old, and 80-year-olds. Hmm. I'll get text messages from people. Interesting. Like, hey, Jonathan, I'm bringing my mom. She really needs a seat because it's standing room only. Right. Um, when you see pictures or just come out. If you're in the area, come out 13 stripes. Um, they're standing room only, but hey, I really need a chair because she really wants to come sing hymns. So we'll get a chair. We'll put a reserve sign on and I'll get some of my uh, my college friends to <laughs> play security <laughs> and we'll get them a seat and they'll come in. I mean, we've had people bring oxygen tanks in because wow. they're like, we want to sing these hymns. But the same thing is we're teaching hymns to college students. Like they don't know some of these older hymns because they grew up in a more contemporary progressive right, church right, right. so we're teaching them songs that are older than our country and we're fulfilling through the singing of hymns a biblical imperative and what i actually believe will unite the church music unites people always has always has look at some of i mean i was watching a story on um freddie mercury mm-hmm. and and his music the music of queen when he brought tens of thousands of people together from every different background and stripe to sing these songs together. What brought them together was the music was, was the songs. Yeah. And I believe if the church is ever going to be united again, it will be first through the singing of a common song. And that's why we just do hymns because I believe it unites us. They're, they're belong to the church. Well then bring in the hops part. The beer's great. <laughs> like it's delicious. <laughs> now there's bad beer out there. Shouldn't drink that. It's like, go ahead. No, I was, I, I'm laughing because <laughs> I have this thing where if you can describe something in the least amount of words, that describes beer. Beer's great, right? Bacon is great. It's great, right? It, you don't have to go. You don't have to add a lot of adjectives. You don't have to go into deliciously warm and biting mm-hmm. and right. like the like marketing likes to do. You can just. Honestly, you could just say beer's great. Beer's great. And so thank you for doing that. And it just you, you triggered things in my m- And I told you you were going to see my face light yeah. up at times because you're just you're just in business. This is the way you should be able to describe your business. Yeah. My business is great. In in the words that describe what it is you do. Right. Yeah. You can say beer's great just because it's been around a long time and everybody knows it's great. But but you're right. You can get yeah. bad beer, but bad beer. And this is also a part where I think the from a North American perspective, we actually connect to our roots as well. Beer was first developed and created by monks. Yeah. 
because they believed it was it was it was part of their holy calling. I mean, could you imagine? Read Bible, pray, eat, brew beer. Like that's what they did. And and we're actually connecting there. So when you put these two together, we are one connecting with historical traditions right. and two doing it in a modern context. But it's the egg omelet. Yeah. So the future of hymns and hops is don't mess with it. <laughs> Do this often and repeatedly right. as much as possible. Now, what's great is you brought this up, and it's about the edge thing. So here's a funny okay. story about the edge. Uh, we have people that show up to Hymns and Hops who think, still believe, that drinking beer, any or any form of alcohol for that matter, is not just wrong, but sin. And yeah, sin would be yeah. this, like, affront to God. Yes. And I'm like, okay, wh- why, why are you here? Yeah. And they said, because we don't sing hymns like this in our church. Like, we sing them, but no one's excited. No one's pumped about them. So what they do is they get to the edge of the brewery (laughs) and stand as close as they can to the doorway, but not actually being in the brewery. Not on the property. Not on the property. (laughs) And this goes back to something I said earlier in the podcast. And I asked them, I was like, so you're good right here. And they said, we're good right here. Um, and, and one person said, Jonathan, we trust you that we know we're never going to be pressured. Which, me, which goes back to something I said. I go to the edge to create a comfortable place and an uncomfortable environment. I know the first time this group of people arrived, they were very uncomfortable. Right. But they, they trusted us as an organization, trusted me because I'm you know, the, f- the voice of it. Mm-hmm. And they stood at their personal edge. Wow. Is that not appropriate for where we're, where we're at right now in in the pandemic right yeah everybody has their own edge some are fine without masks some are i mean that's that's very cool that's, i like i i, I also want to talk a- about what you just said about not pressuring because mm-hmm. i think that that is something that i think a lot of people have in my idea is good enough that i want you to believe it rather than my idea is good enough to live on its own, and I don't have to make you believe it for it to still live, right? Right. Um, um, maybe that's too long of a conversation <laughs> for what we got going on here, but I think that that's – I appreciate learning before not ever really knowing hymns and hops, um, knew of it, haven't yet experienced it. People invited you. Yes. Um, actually, <laughs> I was invited to smoke a cigar <laughs> – so it's it's hymns, hops, and cigars. And cigars, yeah. Holy but smoke. The holy. Oh gosh. Look oh, at you. I got. Look, you, you asked got me for my next edge was. We're All just right. moving. There it is. There it is. Uh, <laughs> but I I think I lost my total train of thought because you just got to. <laughs> well, me you got there. invited to smoke a cigar and you ended up, but you weren't able to come. Well, I mean, I, honestly, um, I'm I'm not sure where I am there. Mm-hmm. In my own life, I am not sure. I'm not certain where I am in in my faith right now. Uh, it, it's not even right now. It's I, I had a catastrophic event when I was 15. I have not yet come to grips with that mm-hmm. event. And um, I have found my comfort in what and how I believe my faith is today. So, um, but it is... It is not, the one thing that it isn't <laughs> is a gathering for mm-hmm. me. My my faith, my belief, it, it exists an inch off of my skin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't extend any further. I don't, pro- I don't project it. I don't give it. This is, this is, this is 
my com my thoughts are not verbal. My thoughts are thoughts, mm -hmm. and that's that's my faith right now, mm. um, and it has been for forty years. But so from that perspective, I could still be there. I could still have cigars. I could still have a beer. Right, standing. So up. now we got now our back row guys who just hang out and just like the w like watching. All right. So I'll maybe yeah. All right. But that goes to the oh go ahead. No, I'm gonna make that commitment. Okay. Uh, you've you've got you've got my interest from a number of different perspectives. One, you're you're doing a lot of things that I think that if you are starting business, if you are starting some new venture, these are these are ideas, even separate from faith. They're solid ideas that can help in your business, can help you personally, professionally, you name it. Right. So, um, so you've got my attention there. I love the um, the ability to let an idea stand on its own and let it grow on its own. That this push marketing that everybody's doing and putting in, we talked about things notifying you. I mean, yeah. I mean, just the amount of push marketing that comes. I can't get the CDC to stop talking to me. I've asked some unsubscribe now four times. Ah, yes. Bad, bad on me. It says unsubscribe. I thought if I subscribe to it that I could stop. Mm. But so. So my commitment is is that I will be – when's the next one? Uh, we're not sure yet because <laughs> oh. of all the gatherings. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Large gathering. But when the next one is safe, you know, and we're able to do it, hopefully in September. All right. All right. So I'm making that personal commitment. It's recorded. Awesome. I want to be there. I want to see this. I want to experience this. This sounds this sounds extraordinarily interesting. Um, so – so where you're going is just doing more of them once we can, I guess. Yeah, and that, that's part of the big goal. And it goes to the pressuring idea, too. So when you come to a Hymns and Hops, I mean, it's on the video. So if you go to our video, one of our band members says, there's so little expectation on you. You can come and sing. You can be front row. I think he used this phrase like, scream your heart out right. like these old hymns or you can sit in the back enjoy a beer talk and enjoy some really good cover band like and right. just enjoy it and and that and you'll see everything in between and this goes back to this idea of pressuring we don't so think about it this way in business sometimes you agree to do something just because you're so pressured into it right you just want to release the pressure like okay <laughs> yeah. so if i say yes <laughs> you'll leave me alone yeah and th that's not a healthy way to pitch an idea. No, it isn't. So if you're listening to this right now and you've got a really good idea, if you get your first four or five quote-unquote fans by pressuring them and twisting their arm, they're not really fans. They were just looking for a release yeah. from the pressure. Right. And, I, you know, you made the comment, you know, the idea stood on its own and grow grew slowly. Part of what happened with this idea was – I personally had to become okay with being the beer and Jesus guy and talking about what beers I liked in a context where that didn't happen. Mm. Like I can't just go start hymns and hops and then all of a sudden like arrive on the scene. Mm -hmm. I had to actually put myself in an uncomfortable spot with other people by when someone said, what's your favorite, you know, when, you know, play those weird like table games, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's your favorite drink or an IPA when everyone else is saying Coca-Cola or high C or whatever. Oh, I'm like, oh, you okay, don't so drink Coca-Cola and high C has been gone since 1993. Like 
we just had beers. You told me, we were, but they were so like, oh, what are people going to think about me? Yeah. So part of <laughs> if you want to actually start an idea, you got to live the idea. True. You have to be present with that all the time, like, and you don't want to become annoying with it. But no one was shocked when I started Gospel on Tap that I did it. They were shocked about that concept. Right. But no one was like, I didn't know you drank beer. Like, no <laughs> one, you like ge- Jesus? Like, no one was shocked about those things. So <laughs> as we're moving forward, like, people call. They're like, Jonathan, we'd love to do it. Cool. Great. Um, but we want to charge at the door. Okay, no. You can do whatever. You can do a beer and hymns. Hymn, that's fine. Do whatever you want. Not but you can't be a hymns and hop. Yeah. Well, no, but we got to make some money. You mean the beer's not enough? The beer's not <laughs> enough. Like, no, you're not charging at the door. Well, you know how much money you make? Listen, if I, I've got three boys, if my wife and I wanted to go sing hymns with our boys, and I had to arrive at a brewery where I was going to pay for beer anyway and, tr- and pay 20 bucks to go sing free songs. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Or, Jonathan, we're going to do this, but we're going to do some modern hymns. I'm like, no. no. Mm. The point is to to keep it pure is such a, a, a vague word, but to keep it clean and easily replicable and scalable while also not making it um, so that anyone could do it. Because not everyone can make a good egg omelet. You mm. might be able to scramble eggs and put butter in the pan, but can it be good? So when you come to any hymns and hops, the one in Texas versus the one in Greenwood, right? They're gonna look different. Different brewery, different right. crew, different right. people. Um, it's gonna sound different. You know, different vibe, different musicians, different skills. Okay. But you know, you know the product of what you're gonna get is exactly the same. You're gonna sing. You know, you're gonna start with the doxology. You're gonna sing old hymns. You're gonna recite the Apostles' Creed, and you're gonna end with it as well. And you're gonna have a fun time. And there's not gonna be pressure. And whether you sing or don't sing, whether you are Episcopalian or agnostic or Baptist or whatever, we're not going to pitch any denomination at you. There's no preaching. There's no public prayer. There's no. It's come and sing and then see what happens. And drink beer. And drink beer or, or wine or hang out on your own personal edge and just come <laughs> sing with us. There's no pressure to do any of it. So we want to do more and more. And the ones we have right now. So in Texas and Greenville, uh, New Braunfels, Texas and Greenville would be the largest one. I mean, averaging about 500 people. Right. You know, the Seneca one got canceled because of COVID. They're launched anyway, so they're getting ready to go. But they'll probably be where Greenwood's at, 150, 200 people. But part of this, too, is I hope we see some of the original size 71 people gatherings where it's a group of people in a smaller town or a bigger town. Right. And they're like, we want to do this. And, yeah, there's money to buy in. Like, there's stuff we have to purchase and insurance and, you know, branding stuff that needs to happen. But once that buy-in's in there, hmm. then we just keep moving. So, yeah, do it more, connect more, provide more spaces, m- more unconventional means and common spaces. Gospel on Tap is getting to relaunch and, and grow in unique ways outside of South Carolina. And, and the future is to continue to do more and to invite more people in. Um, I don't – we're really close, and I guess if you're listening to this and you've got a business idea, you know you've become successful and other people carry the banner. Yeah, yes. And you're more of the just kind of guiding where the where the wind's blowing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now we got people c- carrying the banner, and they're, they're, they're wanting to do hymns and hops right now. And I'm yeah. the one going, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not um, especially yet. in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're going. All right. Wow. It's 
again, I can I'm just like honestly kind of overwhelmed on the number of elements that we're that we're touching on that can affect just normal business operation, mm -hmm. right? Um, I know that um, passion has a, a fair amount to do with this. You can it's written all over your face. Uh, it's in your body language. It's in everything, right? Um, you're always leaning in when you're talking, mm -hmm. by the way. So that's that's actually a really good sign that it's – I've had a lot of people pitch me an idea where they were sort of back on their heels pitching it. Ah. You, can't, you can't be back on your heels pitching an idea that you believe in. If you believe in it, you're going to just – you're going to give it with all the fervor that you, that you just <laughs> gave. Um, but I think from my perspective, when I'm looking at – you know what other value that you could get let's let's i'm going to put you i'm going to put you probably in a slightly uncomfortable position let's uh let me pretend for a moment that this is um what's a good what's a good example for you to try to do um this is This is, you're going to do this, but you're going to do it at a place of business. Yeah. Right? Because usually alcohol and business, that doesn't, there's there's actually a there's actually a dividing line there, too. Right. Oh, yeah. So, is there, is, I, I'm trying to take this edge, and yeah. I'm trying to apply it someplace else. Yeah. Right? The hops edge. The hops edge. Right? Because, in my line of work, when I would go to when we would go to work in sales, part of that was, hey, let's take the client out. Two martini lunches, right? <laughs> those were great lunches. Those were great. Can't do those anymore. It's now it's now popa. It's now what are you what are you trying to do? How in the world? How can you how could you put somebody at such risk, at such yeah. peril? Yep. Um it's that sort of idea though that you said, you know what? We're all here. We're all consenting adults. We all take the responsibility for our actions and our acts. So, you know, why isn't that good? Right. So why isn't it good? Right. Why isn't that good? I guess is the yeah. question that I'm going for here. No, I, I think it's a great question. And it is delicate. It is a delicate blend. So we'll we'll speak specifically about your mm -hmm. question about the business and hops. Yeah. And, then, and then I'll just like go out maybe uh, one more circle. Please. And and here's how I'll tell the story. And uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be candid with my statement, but I have no desire to harm. But I was in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a trip to Berlin, and we went to lunch. And the question out of the server's mouth came to the table. The question wasn't, "What would you like to drink?" The question is, "Which beer were you having today?" <laughs> and it was noon. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Well." went in Berlin <laughs> yeah. and you know so I got I got a Pilsner and and then at 4 p.m. in Berlin uh -huh. they have a, a German phrase for it but it's pretty much comes down to bread and beer and at 4 p.m. between 4 and 6 people go out and they have a pretzel or some form of bread and butter and a, and a beer. beer and there's no 
there's no faux pas about it. it yeah, it's, yeah. It's a cultural piece. I talk to people that go to South America, and it's very much the same. If you, I talk to people that go to France. They're like, yeah, you have wine. That's what you do. I mean, in some businesses in Germany, uh, I was talking to an automotive person. They have a cart that comes by when you get a light beer, and they squirt lemonade on it. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's like a mid morning mimosa, bur- like Germany stuff. And 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 this is what I want to say. I when you have just the North American context, you have to realize that we're still in infant stages of a country. We're not even 400 years old. Right. And some of these practices have been going on for double what we are not. Exactly. 800, 1,200, 2,000 years. Yeah. So what happened? When did it become a faux pas? Well, people abused it. Well, yeah. And, and there was an overreaction. But not the majority of people. Not the majority of people. So what happens is we look at someone having a martini or a glass of wine or a beer at lunch and culture, marketing, groups of people have said holistically, oh, well, you're a drunk or you don't take your job seriously right. or you're not going to be able to work anymore. But what's weird, we don't do the same thing with coffee. I know. And there's caffeine. There's caffeine. So, like, someone gets to work. Well, let's make sure we have plenty of coffee, right? Let's give them an upper. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, but let's certainly not give them a drink. Let's not give them a drink after a stre- you know during a stressful lunch, or you know, hey, we just want to relax. So, okay, so what do you do with the business line? Well, so if you're listening to this and you're you know newly employed, don't go out and buy order a bottle of wine on the company's dime right off the bat. No, feel like we should just say that. Yes, I think that's very important uh, to say on the record. This is not something you do. But don't there is that. this part where, okay, so should the company pay for a drink at lunch? You know, if you're taking the client out. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I think it's a good conversation. I think it's worth the the dialogue and say, hey, it's kind of like hymns and hops. Right. Should every church and every ministry offer alcohol when they sing hymns? No, of course no. not. No, I'm not. I mean, I remember one of the emails I got. What's next? Taps in a church? I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> not opposed for them being there, but I'm not saying serve on Sunday morning. Right, yes. Does that make sense? There, yes. There's an appropriateness to it. Yes. So... I think business should businesses should understand and look at their history and say, okay, when when did all this start going wrong? What caused that? How can we address it and provide an environment where it's not taboo? So when you're the beer and Jesus guy in town, most of the time when I have lunch, right, th- someone wants to have a beer with me. <laughs> okay, like it's almost like they're like, oh. Right, so there's a couple of restaurants I go to now, because I'm I'm not picky, but you know yeah, around. No, everybody. Has but a everyone preference. just is like, I mean, they know me, yeah. and people come like, oh, we're getting a beer, right? And I'm like, yeah, man, if you want, like to me, <laughs> I demagnify it. Yeah. Beer, water. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna have yeah. four. Yeah. But I'll have a beer with you. It's yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, just no, like I'm gonna have a diet sprite. It, yeah. Everybody's like, what? What? Caffeine free? <laughs> so, so I think part of it, from a business standpoint, is. Part of going after the optimistic edge is being willing to be alone. Got it. For a time. So it's really interesting. A wolf pack. Right. Okay, a wolf pack. Okay. Um, when the ground is uncertain, uh, you'll, you'll particularly see this in snowy weather. Okay. In snowy weather, when there's no clear path, the lead wolf, the lead wolves, but the wolf pack leader, will go first and blaze the path. And they're going to be exhausted. 
but they're working hard because if they fall off the cliff, they're the ones going and everyone's going to stop. Got it. Or they're going to clear the path mm -hmm. forward. Right. In clear weather, the leader's always behind. And the older wolves are in front because they're setting the pace so that the younger wolves don't leave them behind. And then the younger wolves are in the middle, and then the leaders are in the back making sure everything's okay. And I think that's how business needs to be thought of. If you're blazing a trail, like if you have an idea and you believe it's going to change the world, or you believe it's going to change your business industry or the tech industry, right. you better be out front, and you better be willing to go over that cliff for blazing that trail. But if the path has been cleared, it's time to let some other folks go first, the ones who can set good pacing. Yep. And for you to be in the back, make sure everything stays okay. <laughs> so if you're a business leader right now, I'm not saying give everyone permission to go have a beer sure. at lunch. Yeah. And maybe in South Carolina you're listening to this, you're like, listen, I don't want to take the flack. I'm like, why not? Like, blaze that trail, recreate normal, and then when the when the path has been blazed, step back and protect it from that sphere. Right now, I protect hymns and hops much more than I blaze the trail. Right. Because that's been, th in it's a lot of ways, there. that's been blazed. Yeah. So now I'm back and I'm looking to protect it. But if you're a business leader in this standpoint, and then I'll say this and, and like cut in. The, the other piece about blazing a trail like this is not only do you have to be alone, but you have to be prepared to go over the edge. Right. Meaning someone may mess this up or you True. may fall over or or it may not work. OK, but you're going to learn a ton. And next time you have to blaze a similar trail, you're going to have more indication. Yeah. Well, I always go back to, you know, Thomas Edison learned a thousand ways not to make a light bulb, mm -hmm. right? Um, Alexander Graham Bell, same way, learned a thousand ways not to make a telephone. So um, so I, I love the trailblaze. I love that the wolf pack analogy because I've actually read a book on that randomly because I don't read books. If there was a movie, you w I probably should have said I saw the movie on it, but no. <laughs> it's one of the few books. But I like that mentality of you said bring back normal. Mm -hmm. Redefine normal. Redefine normal. Um, I am – so I've, I've done a number of these podcasts. I'm looking at my meters just to make sure we everything is still Everything's good. still going. Yeah, it looks like Nice and still. hot. Uh, I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at my meter as opposed to yours. So Well, again – Built-in microphone. Okay, there we go. There we are. All right, we're good. So, but the, I guess the thing that the thing that I've heard consistently is that as an entrepreneur, there's, you know, you're willing to take that leap of faith. Everybody calls it a leap. It's most often a step. Mm -hmm. It's just a step you can't see. Right. What's what's out there? It's a dark step. But. Um, but it's this overwhelming what will people think of me when I take it, when I take that step. And in most of the entrepreneurs that I speak to, that's not noise they listen to. Right. It's not about what people think. But I think predominantly when we can – when people want to go back and dissect the moment, they can then provide uh, – out of context comments that make whatever it was that you were doing either seem good or seem really bad. Right. And 
that's um, that's ultimately what I hope we're. Well, I believe we're walking that road more today than we've ever walked it. Yeah. And and I think it's hurting on that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, spirit that we have. I think as a country, I think we have. I don't think we're unique in that standpoint, but I do believe that the amount of <laughs> the amount of entrepreneurial spirit, if we were putting up against any of these countries that are four or five times as old as we are, we got a pretty substantial base of entrepreneurs here. Oh, for sure. It comes from the freedoms that we enjoy and, yes, and that course. kind of stuff. We're grateful for but that. But the thing that the thing that I want to walk away with and the thing that I guess I want to summarize this conversation about is is that you know, my methodology of, you know, asking for forgiveness rather than permission, your your methodology of of knowing the rules, figuring out which ones don't really apply and, and moving into that space, I like you you call it occupying that territory. Yeah, <laughs> I love it I c because you know you s you establish a beachhead, right? I right. mean, we we can use military terminology here because you establish a beachhead, you protect, you know, your flank, and right. you keep moving forward, right? Yep. Um. I hope that as people listen to an, any one of these podcasts, can see in the message that you delivered here that. You know what? Uh, <laughs> I if if I'm just looking at this thing, first time I heard it, first time I heard somebody say hymns and hops, you know, I got to be honest. I listened. I was like, really? There's going to be Jesus and beer. And and I was and for a moment, my traditional Christian upbringing, uh, Seventh Day Adventist upbringing, um, was. <gasps> It's right? amazing. Judgmental. People take a deep breath no matter right? how how their faith raises. And honestly, I've had a few business ideas. People are like, ah, right? I've got one right now that's that I'm not really yet willing to put out there because even I did it when I when I heard the idea and when I said the idea out loud to myself. But I think what I want everybody to take away from this is is go ahead and occupy that territory. Go right. there. You know what? It may not be popular opinion. It may not even be. Um, uh, it may not get you what you think is going to get you, but you're going to learn. Yes. And that process, that education that you receive, is better because you walked out to that edge. Yeah. Rather than trying to learn what you learn inside of a protected environment that everybody else is telling you is cool and good and you're nice and patient. Normal. Right. Yeah, and I think part of the story, and we talked about this last time is when I, so two years ago, I stepped out full time. Right. And, but I did not, I did not leap. I've started, so, I mean, I'm still young, but other entrepreneurs are calling me and they're like, I'm ready to take the leap. And I've started to say, if you're taking a leap, you're going too early. Oh, that's, Be that's, that's a good statement. Because like when people look like, oh, you just jumped. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I had done gospel on tap for three years. I had done hymns and hops for two years. We went from 71 to 1,000 people. I had proof of concept. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of donors, but I had people l give me a lot of money to be able to do some things. Like Occupying the territory, going towards that space, does not mean you jump, leap, or run from your current environment. Exactly. So if you're an exactly. entrepreneur listening to this and you got this great idea, I'm not telling you go leap. Because if you're like, i got to take a big leap, and you got three kids and a, like, yeah. no, no, no. If you got a leap, you're probably going too early because this was one step. It was it was a step from the church I was working at to the organization which I started. Got it. 
and this idea of you know occupy occupy this space this business idea right it doesn't mean stop doing the tech stuff right true it's, it's not like oh i'm gonna get i mean take if you don't have to take the step into the unknown stay in the daylight as long <laughs> as you can <laughs> and keep the paycheck coming okay um, thank so you for saying it that way and thank you for putting in that in those terms because that's exactly that's exactly just sums this up perfectly um it, I also like it. There's just some analogies with, with Jesus and with faith. You know, staying in the light. You know, I, I love it. Thank you. That was perfect. Oh, <laughs> it was almost like, and that was it on, <laughs> on the podcast today. I know I want to keep going. Uh, I think, yeah, we're over an hour. So just over an hour already. Yeah, Jim, we have way too much fun doing this. Yeah, yeah, we're over an hour. Um. <laughs> I, I want to take that last statement, right? So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Thank you again, Jonathan, for reminding me some things that I need to be reminded on regarding faith, mm -hmm. regarding belief, regarding the the message associated with Jesus, with getting people together. Thank you, oh, right? Thank you for doing that piece. Thank you for pushing the edge and occupying that space and allowing people to sh to find their safe zone to get, you know maybe just outside the parking lot but still listening still maybe even singing from the parking lot wouldn't that be cool yeah right so thank you for all of that I, and i think that there's a lot of messages here that can relate to anyone who's looking for that entrepreneurial journey um I never once got that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You, you never was like, oh, man, from the very beginning, I wanted to have my own business. I've talked to some people that have said that. Uh, then I've had talked to, like, Kevin Slocum, the Beard Joy guy, and, and he was like, nobody in my family has ever had a, the entrepreneurial spirit hit them at all. Um, but thank you again. This has been a great conversation. I truly appreciate it. Um, we're definitely going to take that other idea and we're going to put it into a roundtable about the, the having too many alerts and having too many distractions. Yeah. Um, and thank you for giving me that idea. Of so course. Uh, I will give you credit for the first three times after that. I'm going to take the idea. Yeah, I think you should take the idea and run with it. And Jim, thanks for having me on again and yeah. allowing me to share some stories. Well, um, I again, this has been an, an experiment of mine that has just paid dividends to me emotionally, spiritually. Just getting out, just having this conversation out on the deck. I, I got to repoint the fans a little bit and give you, get you a little bit. I, I kind of blocked the the, hey. the fans hitting you today, but I will fix that. Um, it's not too bad. No, it's the sun, the clouds, and clouds help. You know, nice uh, shade back here. Exactly. Thank you again. Um, where can people connect with you? It's a great question. So to follow the organization, uh, so the organization's all good things. So you can follow us. It's for F O R. So we do all things. We do everything for all good things. So F O R all good things dot org um, at hymns and hops on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Uh, which is a great uh, spot to just keep up. And then if you want to follow along with my journey um, at the Jonathan R. Parker on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Look there. There it is. Well, thank you again. And um, everybody's going to hear from this guy multiple times. We were having way too much fun over here doing a lot of smiling. Yeah. So. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it.